Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up-to-date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is The Run Through. I'm Chloe Mao. And I'm Cho Minardi. And today, a bonus episode for you. Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that SAG-AFTRA is on strike and TV and film production is, well, is basically shut down. The strike, of course, affects not just actors and performers, but has a ripple effect on so many people in the industry, from makeup artists to stylists. And we're certainly thinking about it at Vogue. I mean, some of the bread and butter of the magazine and, of course, this podcast is not just fashion, but talking to Hollywood stars about their new projects, celebrity style, which we won't get a lot of on the red carpet these days. So it will be interesting to see how the strike affects us as well, since we're very selfish over here. Totally. And we want to learn more about it. So we've asked Fran Drescher, the one and only, the actor, producer, writer and president of sag to come and talk to us about it. Obviously, Fran is a woman after my own heart because when we got on the Zoom, she was snuggling with her husky mix, Angel Grace, who she very touchingly said she rescued, but who really rescued her. So she had me like putty in her hand from then on. Much. We're finding, finding out. Rock and rescue, duh. Oh. Yeah, Rock <laughs> and Rescue Animal Adoption Center. Is that where we found you? And Aww. weren't we lucky? Right? It was so meant to be. It was so meant to be. Has she been on the picket line with you? Not yet. It's a little warm, but I she may she may eventually. No. Yeah, but she's been here for all of the video stuff. What are you wearing to strike in? What's your uniform? Well, that's interesting because you know, when I made that speech that kind of reverberated around the world, I was wearing the strike uh, T-shirt with a um, a sweatshirt over it that um, it was just from my personal wardrobe. And um, that kind of became my uniform for the first few days. And then the um, publicist said, you know, at some point, I think you have to transition into your regular clothes. <laughs> I'm a, ah, love this dog so much, I can't even. No, oh, I a, love a, this dog. A friend. Oh, mama. Ah, papa. Oh, mama. Love you. So, <laughs> yeah, you're a good girl, mama. Oh, mama. my God. She should be the face of the strike. Right? We need, a, face. We need a t-shirt a with her face and a brown on it. Eye. <laughs> yeah. She's got David Bowie eyes. Oh, wow. Aww. Anyway, and then the publicist said, you know, I think that you need to, I was doing a lot of, 
you know, press like national morning news shows and things like that. And she suggested that I start transitioning into regular like business attire or my regular clothes. But that was why I wanted to have the brands coming forward anyway with the button. So that's where we're at with this. I don't have a uniform. I kind of dress for the occasion. We like that. The t-shirts are great. The baseball caps are great. I just said this morning, whoever ordered this stuff, you know, did a good job. We do want to talk about the strike, but I, as a big nanny fan, I was curious if you have a favorite Fran Fine walking down the staircase outfit. And do you still have those in your closet? Well, I would have to say that one of my favorites was that gorgeous uh, white sequin Bob Mackey gown. Oh, wow. My hair was up and I kind of tried to look like Audrey Hepburn. And we were going to a Barbara Streisand concert. But oh. Fran being Fran, she let Cece go instead. And <laughs> we listened to it at home with her mother. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good so one. That was a great one, but there were so many. But, you know, at the time, a lot of the designers that are very established now were just establishing themselves. And uh, so, you know, Dolce & Gabbana and and uh, Moschino were brands that I wore all the time. Right. And as you probably know, I'm the brand ambassador for Dolce & Gabbana now. And I was just in... Puglia, where they were promoting their new collection. And um, Dolce said to me, uh, or and his boyfriend, Guy, they watch The Nanny to this day. Oh, my God. And, and Dolce says, that's, that's ours, that's ours, that's ours, that's ours. <laughs> As they're watching it. Oh, my God, that's so, so that funny. That made me happy to think that, that they not only still watch and enjoy it, but that he's also picking out his stuff. Oh, that is hysterical. Well, speaking of Dolce, I think I love that you set the record straight and said you were working. Were you surprised that people were outraged or were you surprised at the criticism? You know, I have a keen understanding of the way things work and I know that I'm clickbait. Right. So there are people that may want to attack me and they're going to use it. And then there's uh, the publications that benefit from any conflict. That they, I don't even think that they care one way or the other, as long as there's a lot of comments coming. Mm. So that's, you know, the name of the game. Having said that, you know, I had only met Kim Kardashian seconds before that photo was taken. And we took the picture, but we're both brand ambassadors and we're both there working. And it's a lot of work to do that. I was in hair and makeup every day for three hours. Oh, my God. Walking on cobblestones in the heat in heels. It's part of the job and I'm happy to do it. But don't think for a minute that I wasn't working. And then I'd leave that event. And because of the nine-hour time difference, I would start my day with the union. Mm. Wow. And Fran, for people who don't know, can you just tell us what people were criticizing you of? Was it that they thought you were gallivanting across Puglia and they didn't really understand the reality? 
Yes, it looked like I was having a lot of fun partying it up with Kim Kardashian when both of us probably would have much rather have been home (laughs) undressed in our homes in Malibu. (laughs) I have an ocean view and I feel very blessed, very blessed and in gratitude every single day that I'm able to see that kind of wilderness right outside my back door. And it gives me a lot of peace because I do have a lot of stress and pressure in my life. And uh, one of which is, you know, this job as president, a position that I do not get paid for. And what happened last week when I made that impassioned speech on behalf of our members reverberated to workers around the world. Um, who are being marginalized and dishonored and disrespected by greedy employers, but also are in jeopardy of being replaced by AI. And uh, it's a very big conversation. Did you really did you think that you were going to be able to find a solution when you went into talks? What was your your inkling about how things were going to go? When I went into talk, I was optimistic. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems like a no-brainer. You introduce a whole new business model. You know, Meaning streaming. Yes. You have to restructure the contract to complement the new business model. You need a new contract. I also, in the beginning, it seemed like they started to work with peripheral issues and it felt like we were making headway. So I felt encouraged by that. But then as we started to move more into core issues that were actually deal breaker issues, we were stonewalled and ultimately we were given very little back as counter proposals. We were trying to avert a strike. Nobody wants a strike. And believe me, it's going to impact my members a lot sooner than these CEOs that are making five digits a day, high five digits a day. And I think that the bigger story here, we have to get out on top. We must reposition ourselves. These people cannot continue to act like we're serfs, you know, in medieval times. We are the foundation of their entire business model. Without us, they don't exist. I was looking at them from across the negotiating table and thinking to myself, you know, these people are on the wrong side of history. Their whole job is to screw us. And they're systematically accomplishing that screwing us out of the economics to be able to make a living in this field. And we can't tolerate that. We were on the picket line here in California and all the shade trees, they decided, wow, this is a good time to trim them all back. Oh, wow. I found that quite, when I heard that, I was really shocked. And we filed uh, a complaint about that because You're interfering with a strike process, which is our legal right. But that just exemplifies how they think. As a leader, how do you keep morale up as you keep going? I I spoke to a friend who's in the WGA this morning, and she was like, oh, it's so hot. I'm getting so tired on this picket line. And I think people are just going to get to a point where it's hard to remember why we're going through all of this. Well, 
I don't know if it's hard to remember, actually. Okay. All the CEOs are producing dystopian world entertainment. These people are actually living it, boots on the ground. So I don't think they're going to, they're forgetting why they're striking, but they make kvetch about the fact that it's hot. And that's true. And I do have a lot of heavy lifting to make sure that we all stay focused and keep our eye on the prize and understand who the enemy is. And it's not each other. The run-through will be back in just a moment. Get balanced or thrive trying. My name is Les, and I'm the host of Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to helping you feel your best. Join me for casual conversations about what it means to live a well-rounded life. I cover everything from how to make friends as an adult to how to create a workout routine that works for you to how to practice better financial wellness. Tune in for approachable conversations with wellness thought leaders and inspiring guests, as well as intimate solo chats with me for relatable advice. Follow wherever you get your podcasts and look out for new episodes every Tuesday. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a backyard staycation, Macy's has what you need this summer. Shop the easiest and breeziest brands like Nina Parker, Vince Camuto, and Dolce Vita. Macy's has all your must-have items from sundresses to matching sets to wedges, beach bags and towels, you name it. Stock up for summer at Macy's. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style today. That's Macy's.com slash own your style. I'm curious to know, I know you've been president now for, of SAC for two years. years. What made you decide to go to do this to run? And, and could you have anticipated such a historical moment? Because obviously the writers and actors haven't been on strike since 1960. Did you imagine that in your tenure this would happen or what? motivated you to take to take on to run? Well, I was solicited and uh, Rosie O'Donnell had recommended me as the smartest woman she knows and most qualified for the position. When they approached me, you know, I had to really think long and hard about it because I don't do anything halfway. I go into it and I go into it full throttle. So I knew it was going to be time consuming. I knew it was going to take me away from paying work. And uh, I also knew that I would be very good at it and good for the union. And I thought that it would be an expression of all of my life experience and accomplishments in one defining moment. 
And I think that what I was doing in these first two years was preparing us for this. I'm the daughter of a systems analyst. He made a career out of it. I just use it in my life. I see systems where other people don't. Now, I didn't know we were going to go on strike, even though other people who have a lot, many, many decades, years of experience uh, working in service to this union said, this feels like we're going to have to strike. Well, and you were you were sort of marshaled into war against your will, right? Now you're, I feel like you're on, you're fighting now. You're like the Zelensky of uh, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm a girl from Queens. I'm no pushover. If you're not going to do the right thing, then we're going to have to make you do the right thing. We need somebody with courage and character to walk into those boardrooms and say, this is not the way we should be running our company. That's the wrong way to run a business. And it's a malignancy that's all over the place. And that is fueled by blinding greed. There's nothing wrong with making money, but when you do it at the expense of all things of true value, it's a sickness. I see in Santa Monica here in Southern California, those little robot boxes rolling around the street, delivering things. Hmm. And I'm thinking that used to be a person on a bicycle. What are they doing for a living? I go to the supermarket and there's maybe two or three checkers, which is probably the union minimum. And then everything else is a machine. Same thing happened when I went to the drugstore yesterday. The guy behind the cashier's counter was saying, oh, we've got an empty machine right here. I said, no, I want to work with you. <laughs> and um, what were you, you know, buying? I bought two birthday cards and a conditioner. What kind of conditioner? What's the name of that conditioner? <laughs> what is it? Kristen S. Kristen S. Oh, okay. Fabulous. Kristen <laughs> S. And it's a very good product, I have to say. And uh, it uh, doesn't have any bad stuff in it, which is what I love. And I oh, get the great. purple one, which uh, my uh, hairdresser, John Lightfeld, said is actually for blondes. Oh, but I said, but it just says that, you know, it controls brassiness. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, the gray hair starts to look reddish to me when it begins to fade. And I think it controls that. Anyway, I don't know. I'm satisfied with it. So oh, great. I, <laughs> I really admire the fact that you have no trouble advocating for yourself or others. And I'm wondering what it was like for you, you know, back in the 90s with the nanny what were the sort of conditions then what were there were there moments where you found that you had to you know you had to sort of find your voice and be like I want things this way and I think it was you know I mean I've kind of always been like this um because women and, find it hard to, to to have difficult conversations in the workplace I think especially around you know yeah interestingly enough that was never my issue my issue was putting myself in the equation of my life and not always 
trying to help everybody else in my life and putting my own, my own needs on a back burner. And I think that this is true with especially a lot of women who get conditioned very early on to put the needs of others above their own. And uh, I had to really learn how to speak my mind for me and be able to say, you know, go ahead. It's that doesn't work for me and I'm out. We were talking about how there's a great scene in The Nanny where you are pressured to cross a picket line and you say no. Fran, Fran says no. And uh, you said I, that- I came up with that storyline. Was that because it was really based on your mother never teach, teaching you to never cross a picket line? I do come from a working class neighborhood and my dad worked two jobs when I was young. And a lot of my friends were uh, their parents worked in the electricians union in our neighborhood. And I think being um, growing up Jewish and coming from a kind of lower middle class world, standing on the side of the worker and doing right by other people and supporting the underdog is part of my DNA. It's part of the ethos of how I was raised. So, yes, uh, you know, we would never cross a picket line. Never. I mean, I come from a family of of turn of the century and early 20th century immigrants. So, you know, the jobs that they took on then were mostly sweatshop jobs and things of that nature. And so it was only like my father's generation that started to get some better jobs. And then all of the children from that generation in the Drescher family, namely my generation, has done very well. And all of my characters are always not far from who I was growing up. You know, these working class girl from a provincial background that really has her priorities straight. Maybe not so much with the shopping, but definitely with what's important in life. And that was the whole global message of the nanny. It doesn't matter what you look like or what you sound like. It's what's in your heart that counts. So it's kind of a theme because I tend to play blue collar girls that grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, uh, but have a heart of gold. Like the hooker with the heart of gold is how I started my career. We love that. <laughs> yeah. And Fran, are you I love in- a hooker with a heart of gold. <laughs> are you in Malibu now? I am. I like this sort I'm of- is this The like more a- work I could do from here, the more I can feel balanced. If I'm here- then whatever they throw at me, I could process better. Wonderful. Well, from Flushing to Malibu, we are so happy to have chatted with you, Fran. And <laughs> it's my pleasure. We know that my you- My pleasure, and I'm a subscriber. Yeah. We love to hear oh it. Oh, my God, yay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And I even bought the, it must have been the French Vogue because I had a layover at Charles de Gaulle on my way home from the Dolce & Gabbana uh, event in Italy. And I got the one that has all the runway pictures. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Collections, yeah. Oh, for me, I, 
you know, uh, that that is the equivalent of sucking my thumb and twirling my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Which collections did you love? Do you remember seeing any that you were like, ooh? You know, I've never really been familiar with Off-White. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that I'm familiar with it, I, you know, it's, it's piqued my interest. Oh, we so, love it. I mean, some of the things that are on the runway and maybe what gets printed is, I, I, I mean, I look at it as wearable art, but it's nothing that I would wear. Mm. Right. You know, and at this point, I'm like more conscious of covering up certain body parts that I think are not my best feature anymore or ever really. But now it's like, okay, we're going to wear a, a little sleeve here, ladies. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I can still rock a midriff. So thank yes, God for little things. Yes. We love that. <laughs> but I haven't had children, so maybe that's part of it. Fran, I have one last question for you that we've all been wondering. Uh, we read that you considered a run for U.S. Senate when Hillary Clinton vacated her seat. Is this, and in 1960, when it was a double, you know, strike, Reagan was the president of the of SAG. Can we, are we going to see Fran in the White House anytime soon? You know, I always say probably not because I find it to be such a toxic environment. And look at what I'm able to do from the outside. Well, it Fran, is. we're so lucky that we got to speak to you. So lucky. <laughs> so lucky. It's such a, it you. was such a pleasure to speak to you. And we really hope that everything goes well with this with this situation and you 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 guys all figure out. I I'm, we're all thinking of you. Thank you. I love your accent. Well, I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> love yours. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so All much, right. ladies. Bye. Bye, Bye friend. We should say that NBC Universal denied that trimming the trees outside of Universal Studios was malicious. All right, that's it for this episode of The Run-Through. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, next week we have a special surprise for you. We have two new hosts uh, who are taking over while we have a couple of weeks off. The Run-Through Evoke is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Gabe Kiroga and mixed by Mike Kutchman. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big, and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash runthrough today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash runthrough.